everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Marine Whalen. And I'm... Oh, paper's upside down. Oh, I'm Jeremy Perrin. <laughs> uh, and uh, today we are continuing our series of themed September of talking about 80s genres. Uh, but before we start, I, I want to throw you for a loop. Uh, so me and Jeremy both saw it chapter two. Oh, I, yeah. just, I just want to just get a, a non-spoiler, not really review, just like a. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I did too. I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, Bill Hader's going to steal the show for you if you're a huge fan of him. Oh yeah. Um, he, yeah, for his first horror movie, he, he crushed it. James McAvoy did a good job, but of course, for me, the star is Jessica Jastain. I'm a huge fan of hers. Oh yeah. So. Um, get ready for some surprises. Um, Stephen King fans are really going to dig this one. And uh, I, I'd like to point out, because I threw my mom off with this one, uh, there are two cameos yep. in the movie. Um, one of them is blatantly obvious. Yeah. Uh, the other one, it, it, the other one, you really got to be looking for. Yeah, the it, other one's not. Um, unless you really know what this person looks like, I'm right. not going to say it because it just. My mom didn't know. She was just like. Oh, right. But then again, my mom was also... I don't want to say anything because I don't want to deter anyone from not seeing this movie. <laughs> no, because it was good. I mean, it. you know... Um, but yeah, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen Chapter 1 yet, definitely see that. I mean, technically, you could see 2 without seeing 1, but 1 has a lot of more um, emotion that's leading into this one. Yeah. So definitely see Part 1 before you see Part 2. Uh, with that being said, so let, let's... Uh, move into the episode so last week we mentioned that this week is all about um comedy teen comedy coming of age really any kind of comedy from the 80s uh teen or not Uh, i know me and jeremy's lists are just sporadic with all different kinds of comedies yeah mine's mine's a little more silly Silly, you know, like slapstick. Yeah, comedy. slapstick, absurdist sort of, um, you know, just goofy comedies. Yeah, I think I only have two on that list. Yeah, no, mine are all of that. I think. <laughs> I don't think I have one that's not on here. But anyway, that's okay. Yeah. Those are the comedies I like. So. so, all right. Well, so we're gonna jump into that, and uh, not to not to just steal it, but since I let you go first, no, that's fine. Go week, for it. I'm gonna go first this week. Um, so my my first movie, and I have a feeling that a lot of people won't know this movie, um, because from what I understand, like a lot of people, this is a very underground. Well, no, as I say, underground. Just, just a lot of people didn't know it, uh, and that's Strange Brew. Oh yeah, my buddy, uh, my buddy Kale. Shout out to my boy Kale. Uh, he really digs this movie, it, and it's it, it's yeah. very it, it's very uh, smart humor. Yeah. for 1983, about two. Idiot Canadian brothers, <laughs> yeah, Rick Moranis and uh, uh, oh fuck, I can't and I have it. I'm looking right at it. Dave Thomas, um, Bob and Doug McKenzie is their characters. Yeah. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, which I have a huge suspicion that no one knows what I'm talking about here, um, the movie's called Strange Brew. Uh, like I said, it's about two idiot Canadian brothers, Bob and Doug McKenzie which are characters that Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas played on uh, some TV show. Oh, I think it was um, SCTV, uh, Second City. Oh, okay. Or it was maybe UCB, but I think it was Second City because, 
that's where like John Candy started, Eugene really? Levy. Ooh. Um, I think Mike Myers too. Um, I would. I mean, it's it's I'm, Canadian based. I'm assuming it's like Canadian SNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was at the time, and it was hilarious. And yeah. um, anyway, um, I think that was where the 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 idea the characters yeah. were from. Yeah. yeah, and and I'd like to also point out um, the things this movie. I I figured out a cameo. They uh, they kind of reprise these characters, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis, in a Disney movie, <laughs> uh, Brother Bear, from like 2005. I've, I've never seen it. Uh, it's good. It's got Joaquin Phoenix in it. Um, it's oh. about... Um, I mean, welcome back to the Brother Bear podcast. But <laughs> long story short, it's one of those Disney movies that the main character gets taught a lesson. So the main character is like this vengeful brother. And I'm trying to think of the correct... Um, PC term, but all the characters are Inuits. I think that was correct. That is correct? Okay, I think good. so. I don't if, know. Uh, well, if anyone is listening and they're from Alaska or wherever, I don't mean <laughs> to offend you. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I just offended a lot of people oh, by saying man. that. Anyway, uh, so Joaquin Phoenix's character, his brother, his older brother dies from a bear attack. It's very heavy children's movie. I mean, so was Up. Like, I mean, anytime anyone's like, let's watch Up, I'm like, cool, can you fast forward through the first 10 minutes because I don't want to be destroyed. Yeah. Ellie can't have kids. (sighs) How do you lay that on five-year-olds? God damn. Anyway, so his brother dies and um, Joaquin Phoenix's character, it's animated, I should point out. Joaquin Phoenix's character seeks revenge on the bear that killed his older brother. He finds the bear, kills the bear, but the spirits... Uh, want to teach him a lesson, so they turn him into a bear. But he can understand animals now. And there's two moose, not mooses or meese or whatever. I think, it, I think it's moose eye. <laughs> it's, it's moose. Yeah, it's meese. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> two two moose. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, I, I want to say mooses. Yeah, but... two two moose eye or uh, two meese. Uh, go ahead. Anyway, and it's. Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis playing Bob and Doug McKenzie. That's cool. But they're called Rutten Took. That's fine. And, but they're the characters. Anyway, okay, so the whole point of Strange Brew, welcome back to the Strange Brew. Okay, podcast. now we're back to Strange Brew. Okay. Uh, so Bob and Doug McKenzie are these, again, I've been saying it, but I'd like to reiterate they are brothers from Canada and they're just the worst because they're so stupid. Um, so the whole plot revolves around them. Um, the movie starts off with a, a movie within a movie. Uh, they are premiering their movie, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure, just a prolonged version of the show they were on mm-hmm. that you mentioned. And um, <laughs> and a lot of people in the theater are pissed off because they've seen this before and um, they, get, they, they get hassled out of the theater because they're at their own premiere. Because why wouldn't you be? Right. Uh, and they get hassled outside the theater, and this guy demands a refund. And so Rick Moranis hands the guy, like, oh, here's some money, eh? And I should point out that they uh, they use every stereotype of Canadians of in this movie. So they say, a, eh, and they speak in a very thick, like, oh, geez, eh? With a Canadian accent. And... Uh, <laughs> And that was so, pretty close, I guess. And so Rick Moranis hands this guy his money, and um, and I would like to say that uh, as my favorite, um, the Canadian fuck off, which is take off. I love that. I mean, take off. And so <laughs> take off, eh? Yeah. And so that's fine. Bob, I believe, who's uh, 
Dave Thomas uh, realizes that they gave away their dad's beer money. Oh no! <laughs> and which is a, a central theme of the whole movie <laughs> is the beer. So the next morning, they try to con themselves out of some beer um, from their favorite beer, which is. Uh, <sighs> I, I have the whole plot up, but I can't. Uh, Elsinore, Elsinore beer, um, and so they go, and so the the guy they're trying to con is like their local, you know, beer plate like pinkies here, um, and so the guy tells them like, "Well, go take it up with the brewery." So they go to Elsinore beers, mm. and they essentially are given a job to because they think it's a PR, they think it's like they're trying to sue, like the the brewery thinks that these two idiots are trying to sue them. So they give them a job, and uh, they get, like, free beer for life. Yeah. And um, then the whole plot revolves around that, um, <laughs> that like, the owner of the company, his, like, I want to say his brother, killed him to take control of the, of the brewery. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a wacky balls to the wall comedy that makes no sense like there's a part where Rick Moranis and this girl that Rick Moranis is in love with but she doesn't love him back oh no I mean okay uh, but they get stuck in a a vat that it's filling up with beer and Rick Moranis drinks it all but he blows up like Veruca salt oh that's fun (laughs) and then the brewery catches fire and he's like you know I got this, eh? And he pretty much pisses on the fire. <laughs> I'm going to correct you, Rain. What? It was not Veruca Salt who uh, who blew up. It was the um, it was Violet. Uh, oh, that's right, Violet Beauregard. Violet Beauregard uh, was the was the blueberry because uh, she's turning Violet. Violet. So yeah. Oh and, my uh, god, we should do a whole episode on Blue Walker. Anyway, doesn't matter. So we're getting started. I love Willy Walker. Okay. <laughs> Well, which one? Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory of or Charlie in the no. Chocolate Factory? The Gene Wilder one, man. Yeah, but Charlie I don't even count the, ch- the other one. But Charlie in the Chocolate Factory is more along the lines of the book. I care. And it's also Tim Burton. I, I love care. Tim Burton. Oh, my God. you got to understand, Tim Burton can make mistakes. <laughs> That's uh, one of them. I mean, but have you seen Big Fish? Yeah. I mean, welcome I'm back to the... I'm not saying all of them are mistakes. <laughs> I'm saying that one was. Anyway. Um, and so was Planet of the Apes. Okay, I'll give you that one. All right. Um, so anyway, so I, I, I skipped over a lot of the plot just because it's so absurd, this movie. Like, like, <laughs> like at one point they stumble across that they are brainwashing hockey players. <laughs> like it's it is the craziest thing and like and I'm I'm I'm, I'm I have it up of like a, some trivia about the movie and apparently it's loosely based on elements of Shakespeare's Hamlet. Oh, that's cool. This this just wacky comedy <laughs> with uh Max von uh Snido uh Max von Snydo, yeah. So Paul Dooley um but it's it's still really funny. It's mm-hmm. and and like I said, it, it's very smart humor for 1983, um, especially when it's not meant to be smart, in my opinion, at least. Because uh, I remember the first time I saw this movie, um, I believe I was at Walmart with my mom, and we were looking at all the movies, just kind of seeing what's out. And I found it in like the like the five dollar bin. And I was like, Strange Brew, what's this? And my mom. Almost had a heart attack. She's like, Strange Brew's in there? Oh, we're getting it. 
And, <laughs> and so she knew. And I was like, well, what is this movie? And watching it when you're, you know, really young, you don't get the point. Mm-hmm. And so I had to watch it five or six times. And then that's when I got it mm-hmm. and got that it was meant to be a comedy. Yeah. And it's it's really, it, it's, again, like I said, it's a very wacky I wouldn't really say slapstick comedy, but it's it's still really funny. Um, and, you know, Rick Moranis is just a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. And I he co-directed, co- well, him and Dave Thomas co-directed the movie. Yeah. So, Strange Brew. Yeah. 1983. You know, I, you know, sometimes when you're too young, you don't understand it's a comedy. Like when I saw Schindler's List when I was... Uh, <laughs> I almost had to spit his water out. Oh, my uh, God. Can you finish the joke? All right. Um, Jesus Christ. Sorry. He's going to hell for that one. <laughs> and that's on Mike, too. Yeah. I oh, know. my God. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, We're keeping it in. <laughs> that made me laugh. <clears throat> but, yeah. Anyway. Strange, strange brew. brew. Cool, man. <laughs> okay. I guess it's my turn. <laughs> Feel free to jump in if you've seen it. Um, airplane. Oh my god! Of course, I've seen Airplane. Oh, I love first this movie time I'd ever seen so a movie uh, with boobs, like straight yep. boobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not the point of the movie. But I remember. No, but it kind of is. And here's so. <laughs> um, all right, so Airplane is this is I'll give you the generic storyline, and then we'll get into what makes it so wonderful. Is and it, yeah. Um, we have a a war veteran who is trying to get back together with his girlfriend. His girlfriend is a flight attendant. Um, he has severe PTSD from being in the war. Uh, he His plane got shot down, and he was a pilot, and he, you know, mm-hmm. so he's terrified of flying. So um, he gets up the nerve to go and try to win her back in the airplane, and... <laughs> And we we get one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. He is sweating, uh, just in the chair, and he's you know he's really freaking out because the plane took off and he's you know he, now he's stuck on this airplane. Um, and the woman goes nervous. He said, "Yeah." She goes, first time." He's like, "No, I've been nervous lots of times." <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines. So anyway. And so that's the plot of the movie. He's trying, and now he is stuck on this airplane, and the airplane is now experiencing problems, and he has to snap out of it and help land the plane. Now, um, (laughs) so this is what is known as an absurdist comedy. Yeah, because it's, oh my God. (laughs) Nothing is, like, it's not grounded in reality. It's like surrealism for comedy. So, um, I mean... The reason it works so, so well is they are saying and doing these ridiculous things. Um, I think it was uh, it was um, Mrs. Cleaver uh, from Leave it to Beaver. She's in the movie. Okay. Uh, the, the actress who played her. And she speaks jive. And oh, so my God. With the, the two oh, African-American gentlemen are speaking jive. And she, and she goes, excuse me. I speak jive, you know, and then she's talking right back at him in that same lingo. It's so funny. But the reason why it's so funny is because they're not doing it as a joke. This is they're playing it straight. Yeah. As if as if it were Shakespeare. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Leslie Nielsen, oh uh, this God. is when we were introduced to Leslie Nielsen as a comedian. Um, yeah. He had never been in a, none of them had ever been in comedies before. Really? Yeah. Well, um, and the Leslie, well, I mean, this proved that Leslie Nielsen could do comedy. Yeah. So I'm assuming after this is when we got like the naked gun. Yes. And, 
Mm-hmm. It's like eight sequels. So after this, we actually got Police Squad, which is... Um, or Police Academy? No, Police Squad. So Police Squad is what Naked Gun spins off from. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and then we get the trajectory of Leslie Nielsen's comeback. So, because he was a he was an actor in the in the sixties, mm. and um, he's in a movie called Forbidden Planet. Um, I don't remember the year, and I never will. So, well, I mean, if no one remembers it, then that's that's probably a sign. Well, I mean, it's just a, a science fiction action shooting aliens with a laser gun and a silver suit sort of a thing. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, um, we have Lloyd Bridges which at that point was famous for his uh, television show Sea Hunt. He was also in High Noon. I mean, this guy was a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and his character, uh, his shtick is every time something terrible happens that he has to deal with. Uh, he, he picked the wrong time to give up something. Right, he picked the wrong time to give up something. It's like, I picked the wrong day to give up amphetamines. And he's like, <laughs> <"Sort of." laughs> And, and, yeah, and it steadily escalates. Yeah. It goes from smoking, to, smoking drinking, to drinking to sniffing glue. Yeah. Then to, I to think, like amphetamines. amphetamines. And it's so funny. <laughs> and I think he's like air traffic control or whatever. Yeah. Then he eventually jumps out the window because he's so high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Um, but anyway, so I have a couple of stuff written down. Um, and I've went through all of them already. Um, this movie had three directors. Really? Yes. This, um, at the same time. I mean, they're not like... Not not like, like this guy started... I quit. I quit. No, it wasn't like that. Okay. So it was uh, Jim Abrams and David and Jerry Zucker. They're the Zucker brothers. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And they had a really hard time getting all three of them billed on there at the same time. Really? Yeah. Um, I was reading about that uh, yesterday. Um, but anyway, airplane. So, um, it is, it is like a one liners dream. Right? Yes. Oh my God. There's it is so where many. We get the absolutely famous that I still say today, at least once a week, because someone always says to me, well, surely you can't do that. Or, well, surely they're not doing, and I go, listen, they can and don't call me Shirley. Right. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's Leslie Nielsen's famous line from the movie. but Because um, it's, um, the I don't remember the pilot, uh, the, the, the main guy's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, uh, But, you know, surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Don't call me <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh my God. The blow up autopilot. And with the inflatable <laughs> autopilot, and she has to inflate him some more, and and, and the and it's on the belt buckle. Yep. And then when <laughs> Leslie Nielsen comes in, <laughs> the uh, the inflatable pilot's face changes, right? And it, I mean, it is it's absurd. It's absurd as comedy, and it uh, is so unbelievably funny. What one of my favorite? It's two. These two tie for my favorite lines or moments in the whole movie. Um, I'm going to go with one that a lot of people, I feel like, look over. It's when the the two kids uh, that are behaving like they're 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. You know, the way. little kid sits down. He's like, oh, would you like some coffee? And she's like, oh, sure. Oh, that's right. I forgot and, about that. Uh, and so he hands the little girl a cup of coffee. And then he's like, oh, would you like any cream? And she's like, no, I take it black like my man. Like my man. And the boy's <laughs> face is just like... <laughs> And then my second favorite moment is the the takeoff with uh, Victor, uh, oh yeah, yeah, Roger, and I can't think of the third guys, but like, what's our vector, Victor? 
And then it yeah. starts confusing them. Like, all right, Roger, what? No, no, Roger, Roger, <laughs> and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yep. and then he uh, breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, because that kid says, "Hey, aren't you Kareem Abdul-Jabbar?" And he's like, "No, read my name tag, oh, kid." Oh, look, I'm this kid. And, uh, and he's like, "Well, my dad said you're you don't work hard enough in the paint." And then he <laughs> grabs him. And he's like, "Hey, you tell your you know, you tell your dad that I wouldn't have to do that." And then he's like, "But I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar." I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> and so. then when when he gets sick and they pull him out of the chair, he's in his yeah. uniform. <laughs> Like he just got back from practice or like a game or something. Like he's wearing his his goggles and, and he's got his, his he's got his Converse on with the high socks. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, and this movie has so many good parts, man. It does. Oh. I mean, even to like the little small stuff where that kid or where that woman is reading Boy's Life, the nun, and then the kid <laughs> is reading Nun's Life. <laughs> Right, I mean, it's it's so dumb. I love it so much. And then, it is uh, so much fun when uh, uh, when one of the ladies when 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 uh, Elaine, the stewardess, I remember her name. Yeah, uh, is was, was handing out magazines, and the lady's like, "Oh, do you have anything light?" And she's like, "I've got this pamphlet on." something but it's like a it's like a post-it note <laughs> and it's just like oh okay okay great thanks uh, <laughs> and then um oh god and my another one of my favorite parts is the three times leslie nielsen checks on them at the end oh yeah. like i just want to tell you good luck we're all counting on you and then he says it in the middle of them like 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 all hell's breaking yeah. loose like i just want to tell you good luck we're all counting on you. And then he comes back after they've landed and says it again. And they're just like, like oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I, oh, yeah. I really it's, love this movie. Um, I can't give a shout out to any of my parents yet. My parents are going to get a couple of shout outs uh, throughout the episode. But not this one. You know, they, they like the movie, but they don't love it as much as I do. Really? I, yeah, I watch it all the time. I think I it's f- so funny. I feel like it's a... Uh, I feel like it's definitely, which is crazy since me and you were not born in the 80s, definitely a younger generation kind of movie because I, again, I same as you, I love Airplane. Uh, its sequel is trash. I never saw it. it it's, the, it's the first Airplane, but on a spaceship. That's fine. It's, I mean, it's a funny premise, but, but I mean, I probably um, won't see it. <laughs> uh, and I'd also like to point out uh, the, the, the boyfriend's drinking problem. Yeah. I... Love that so much, and then and I love every time he would tell the story of how he met Elaine. Oh yeah, he was boring the people literally to killing themselves. Yeah, to killing themselves. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> so fucking good. Like when the, the old lady hangs herself. Yeah, <laughs> or the guy's gonna light himself on fire and he goes pouring gasoline on himself. And he lights the match and they're like, "Oh, are you a pilot?" And he's and the and he's like, "Well, should I go?" And the guy's like, "Yeah." Yeah. And he blows it out and he's like, oh, whew. And he, <laughs> oh my god dude and i feel like airplane has also become so iconic yeah um, i agree with this this you know absurdist comedy and, and slapstick comedy and it, it i feel like it's it's it, it's just a just yeah i mean without without airplane we definitely wouldn't have 30 rock because 30 rock has a lot of that humor in it um, and it's been a while since I've watched I watched 30 Rock. I love 30 Rock so much. I think Tina Fey takes a lot. Oh, and not a lot. I mean, she's a genius herself. I love yeah. Tina Fey. But I think that, um, you know, she probably also nods her head to a little bit of Airplane. Because, you know, that style of comedy, I mean, just gets me. I, I love it so much. Like, uh, I also love, like, right when they're, they're starting their descent towards the end of the movie and the other stewardess is like, okay, everyone, 
get in your crass positions and everyone, you know, like freaks out. And then that's yep. when we get the, the booby shot. Yep. The one booby shot where they have a girl run into frame, boobs directly at the camera, and then she runs out of frame. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, I would probably say like a five second, like she comes in, you see boobs and she's out. Yeah. But, and, and I just love like the, the chaotic, like the, the, um, Harry Krishna, like <laughs> people like laying on top of the, um, fucking seats. Yeah. It's so good. It it's, is so good. So, it's so good. And, and I love the title that it's airplane. Yeah. With an exclamation point. Mark. That's all my notes. I, I, you have to write it that way. <laughs> yeah. If <laughs> you just say, the movie. yeah, if you just say airplane, airplane, and, but it's airplane. like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. And I love that it opens with a, a Jaws homage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> so oh. anyway, Airplane. 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 If I didn't already write all my notes, this is my favorite comedy of the decade for another movie, this would be my favorite comedy of the decade. <laughs> but it's not. Well, but it's still great. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, Rain, your next one. My next one is uh, the first uh, coming-of-age comedy that I have. It's technically considered an adventure comedy, but I I love this movie dearly, and I see it as a coming-of-age movie. And I'm actually wearing the shirt. Oh. I specifically wore the shirt today. Um, and that is The Goonies. Oh, Goonies. Um, I had so many people, like, asking if I, we were ever going to talk about The Goonies. And mm. I was like, eventually. Because I, like, I fucking love The Goonies. Yeah. Um, great cast. It's... Probably my second, apart from Back to the Future, it is my. Fi- uh, well, no, I'm not going to say that because that's that's a whole other thing. But it's it's one of my besides but besides Back to the Future, it is a movie that I consider a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Writing, casting, the direction of Richard Donner, it everything melds perfectly together, and it's. It's just a good movie. And I think it's what inspired my love of pirates oh. uh, because of this movie. I love pirates. Uh, it's probably why I, uh, for like the fifth time, just replayed the Assassin's Creed game that's all about pirates. Because you like pirates. I love pirates. Because of one-eyed Willie. Exactly. Um, so, if anyone hasn't seen it, um, I'm going to sound a little ruled here, but... Like, you uncultured swine, <laughs> you need to watch The Goonies. Goonies. This is how Thanos got his start. I'm talking about Josh Brolin. Oh, Thanos. <laughs> and, dude, and oh, my God. He looks exactly the same that he did in 1985 in The Goonies. I mean, he's got some age lines here. Yeah. But he, he, he it's still brand. Yeah. Like, he, um, <laughs> I think for Halloween one year, he dressed up as his character from The Goonies. That's awesome. Yeah, like he was wearing the sweatpants, the headband, everything. The, the sweatpants with the gym shorts over the sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Um, so anyway, uh, so the Goonies. Uh, if you haven't seen this, uh, the film opens with um, Jake Fratelli of the Fratelli gang um, who has committed suicide. He's in jail. Uh, he's quote unquote committed suicide, but it's actually just a ruse that he and his uh, mom and brother – um, Francis uh, and his mom who they just call Ma um, played by uh, Anne Ramsey R.I.P. Um, yeah. and Joe Pantaleone as Francis Fratelli who is good at playing uh, Italians 
I mean, that's all he plays is Italians. Um, except for the Matrix. I don't think his character is Italian. I don't know. Anyway. Um, maybe not like a cartoon Italian, but maybe he still can be Italian. <laughs> maybe. Uh, anyway, so they have. you can obviously tell they've had this plan to get Jake out of prison because they... Um, so Jake stages his suicide by hooking a piece of pipe to his belt, which... I didn't get the first time I ever saw it. I was like, well, like, why does he have the pipe? It wasn't until later on I understood that he was using it as a counterweight. Yeah. To, but anyway, because then Francis is lining the concrete with people. I'm sure people can hear that now with uh, the new tablecloth that we're using. Uh, lining the concrete with gasoline. Quit bragging you got tablecloth money, man. Come on. <laughs> um, and I'd also like to point out, this is not how gasoline and bullets work but that's besides the point uh I've seen it in like 600 movies Um, and so and and I love that in this very dire situation uh, they show that there is already dysfunctional dysfunctionality within this family even though they're breaking out Mm -hmm. uh, you know one of their own where Jake's trying to open the, the door to this, uh, you know, real nice four, uh, you know, four by four ORV, as Chunk describes it. <laughs> um, and he's yelling at Francis through the door, like, you know, I don't have the handle. Open the lock. Yeah. And he's clearly tugging on the handle. Yeah. Um, and so he jumps it through the skylight, and then that's when Francis shoots the gasoline, which ignites it. Which that's not how gasoline works. I mean, <sighs> anyway. <laughs> And the police chase ensues, and then what I think is so great about this is that we get introduced to every single member of the Goonies in this police chase. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Chunk sees it from the arcade and, you know, busts his uh, his strawberry milkshake all over his face because he's pushing it against the window like a chump. <laughs> um, we see Data testing out his new invention, which backfires. Uh, Poor data. We, I know. I mean, and then we see um, we sell we see Martha Plimpton diving for crabs. <coughs> we see uh, fuck, I can't remember her name. Andy, <clears throat> um, working with the cheerleading squad. Uh, we see Mouth with his dad working on the plumbing. The only people we don't see in this. After the car chase is Brand and Mikey, mm-hmm. which Mikey, Sean Astin, Brand being uh, his older brother, Josh Brolin. And the movie then centers around what is really happening is that um, it's an Astoria, Oregon. <clears throat> and the rich people of Astoria are, are buying up all the real estate to turn it into a country club, which is mean they're forcing all of these middle class families out onto the street. And pretty much all of these friends that we didn't, we don't know yet, are all gonna have to move away. Good for them. Country clubs are awesome. Yeah, but one of my movies that I want to talk about takes place at a country club. <laughs> Ooh, spoiler alert. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> God. Uh, I hope it's the same country club. Wouldn't that be hilarious if it was a crossover and it turned out to be the same country club? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Continue. Anyway, uh, and so they, uh, so. You know, Mouth, played by, um, oh, fuck, Corey Feldman, uh, before he got all fucked up. 
Uh, obviously, this is the 80s. He's a, a little boy. Yeah, and also, isn't he dead now? So. Corey Feldman? No, he's still alive. Oh, so it's Corey Haim that's dead? It's Corey Haim. Uh, the Corys. Corey Haim is dead now. Corey Feldman is still alive. He's just fucked up because of all the drugs he did. I don't know, man. I just... Uh... <laughs> I can't keep track of all these Corys, you know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, Mouth played by Corey Feldman. Uh, we have, again, like I said, Mikey played by Sean Astin. Um, Chunk uh, by uh, Jeff Cohen, which if you don't know who Jeff Cohen is, that's okay. This was his only movie, literally only movie. After this, he quit and became a lawyer. And he's actually in the commentary. He says that he's actually very happy with that decision mm-hmm. that he he was able to make a movie as a kid, and he, he's glad he got out. Is he still fat? No, he's actually very uh, slim now. Oh, that's a shame. Um, then yeah, we have Carrie Green playing Andy, Martha Plimpton, Steph. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the entire name, the actor who plays Data, <clears throat> but Jonathan K. Anyway, he was also in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Anyway, so Mouth... Uh, Chunk and Data all come over to Mikey and Bran's house and they're all hanging out in the in the attic and they find a treasure map and Mikey decides like this is a real treasure map of One-Eyed Willie who is this really famous pirate and he stole like millions of, of dollars in gold and Mikey believes 100% this treasure map leads to um, uh, One-Eyed Willie. And so he convinces the other guys, Mouth, Chunk, and Data, that <clears throat> they need to go look for it. Which kind of puts them in the path of the Fratellis. Because mm-hmm. then Brand joins up because he's kind of forced to go rescue Mikey. Steph and Andy also join up because um, Troy, the son of the rich people who are going to tear down the homes, um, it's just a douchebag. And so the whole movie kind of takes place underground of them traveling through the caverns and facing off all these booty traps. I mean, booby traps. Uh, the, did you get the joke? Yes. <laughs> yes, I got the joke. <laughs> um, did you tell by my disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> so you can make jokes, but I can't. Uh, yeah, anyway. Right, I'll get it um, which, I'll, I'll, if anyone's listening, I'll get to why I made that joke. And they eventually uh, finally make it to Willie Ship the Inferno. But they're counter, they're cornered by the Fratellis. And they eventually make it out alive. But the whole reason they did this is so they could save their neighborhood and they don't have to be forced out. And they can all stay friends. They can save the Goonies because the, the area they live in a story is called the Goondocks. That's funny. That's why they call the Goonies. Um, and uh, but Mikey, during the time when they find the ship, Mikey filled his marble bag full of jewels, and they were able to save their their community and happy ending. You know, good old fashioned nineteen eighty five happy ending. Mm-hmm. It all works out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, dude, I just I love this movie so much. Um, it's so good. And so and the thing I love the most is they correct each other the entire movie. 
uh, which is, if anyone listen, for everyone listening, is why I said booty traps and then I said booby traps. <laughs> because there's a part where Data is telling everyone, I'm going to go look for booty traps. And they're like, you mean booby traps? And he's like, yeah, that's what I said. Booby traps. Um, <laughs> and it starts with Mikey um, trying to delude himself in that moving from Astoria is a good thing. Like, you know, I can't wait to get out of this town. You know, I can't wait to get this place. Who needs this place? And Brand is like, you don't believe that, do you? And Mikey's like, no, I'm just trying to just trying to delete myself. No, uh, di- dictate myself. And Brand's like, let's delude yourself, dummy. And so it happens the whole movie. And one of my favorite parts when Brand does that is when they're in the attic and he's like, yeah, the museum, they had a retropactive and he's like retrospective. <laughs> and Mikey's like, that's what I said. You always contradict me. And it's, it's just, it's a minor detail, I think, but it, it also works for the film that <laughs> these kids are correcting themselves. Um, but <sighs> there's so much about this movie. I mean, I, I think, you know, without this movie, we wouldn't, I mean, I know you don't like the show, but without this movie, you know, we wouldn't have some of the aspects of Stranger Things. You're right. I don't like that show. I want that on the record. <laughs> Jeremy Blair does not like Stranger Things. I watched the oh. whole first season. I promise. I didn't I didn't just like watch the first episode and say, yeah, whatever. I gave it a shot. I didn't like it. I don't get why everybody likes it. Continue. <laughs> oh my God. Um, you know, <clears throat> and, well, and you know, Sean Astin actually guest starred in... Season two of Stranger Things. No, I didn't know that. You know why? I don't watch the show anymore. And, well, and he promptly died. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen season two, which wow. you should have, it's two years old. Still. Um, I haven't. Justice, hashtag justice for Bob. Uh, Jesus. Um, well, but one of the stipulations he said is when he agreed to do it, <clears throat> he said no Goonies references. No. Oh. Really? Because, because the, the... I'm sure is, he's sick of it. I wouldn't... Well, because... Well, because this that season specifically was taking place in 1985. Oh, okay. And so he said no Goonies references. Like, I'm not going to make any Goonies references. Please don't make any. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want there to be any because he wanted this character of Bob to stand on his own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't want to be Mikey. And the Duffer brothers did a great job. The only thing that the only thing they told him, like, oh, it has to be like the Goonies is there's a part where he's helping, like, make, like, a treasure map kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he's like, yeah, X marks the spot. And it's the only kind of Goonies. Oh, okay, gotcha. But anyway, um, I mean, this movie also, like, really helps out with, like, the idea of friends and, you know, belonging somewhere. And it doesn't matter if you're popular or jock or, you know, um, a little weird. You know, you can all be friends. It sounds like uh, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> but not... No, uh, we actually won't be talking about that this time. We're going to save that for its own standalone. I, yeah, like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and point that out. Like, and also uh, Princess Bride. Um, oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to talk about Princess Bride today because we need to do it yes, just on its own. Absolutely. Right. Um, but anyway, I mean, like, do you remember the first time you ever saw the Goonies? <sighs> no, I had to have been I had to have been little. I'm <laughs> um, single digits maybe maybe it was on TV or something and I and I caught a little bit of it and then later I saw the whole thing but I don't um, no I actually don't remember I, neither do I I want to say it was on VHS 
And then, uh, then when my parents split, we got it on DVD, and I just I watched it constantly. And now I I own it. I have that same copy that my mom had, yeah. and now I also have it digitally. And it just it's just a just a good movie, man. Yeah, it's it's so like I said, it's it's perfect in in its writing. Chris Columbus did the screenplay. Who he directed the first two Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. Richard Donner directing. Steven Spielberg producing. Mm-hmm. Great cast of all of these, you know. And might I add, a great poster. Um, oh yeah, painted absolutely. by Drew Struzan. Yeah, who? Yeah, mm-hmm. who? I think we talked about. We in, did. In, yeah, for Back to the Future because he that, did all that's, of those. That's, right, that's right. I mean, it's it's and. It's it's also I think the first movie I ever saw where I heard someone say shit because uh, they say shit the entire movie. See to me that was Back to the Future, but go ahead. Oh man, see I don't remember. It was either Back to the Future or The Goonies the first time I ever heard shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just man, I do I do remember one thing in particular though the first time I ever saw The Goonies is um, sloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a detail I'm, I'm, I kind of skated over. So, yeah, you, yeah, you did. I, I, didn't, yeah. Yeah. I was like, the, the Fratellis are composed of four people, and they're a crime family, but it's just four people. Mama Fratelli uh, and Ramsey, um, Jake Fratelli, uh, Robert Davey, and Joe Pantaleone as Francis Fratelli. But there's a fourth brother, because Francis and Jake are brothers. There's a, a third brother, um, Sloth Fratelli. Who's played by uh, John McCusack, um, who was a football player, but then he became an actor because of his stocky nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm and Sloth. The big thing with Sloth, and a lot of people I, who I know who've never seen the Goonies, they know Sloth because mm-hmm. they know the line "Sloth love chunk." Um, because Sloth is deformed. Um, he, Mama Fratelli, says that she dropped him. I only dropped her once. I mean, maybe twice. So he, he his face is deformed. Yeah, and he he speaks in third person. So he says sloth. He speaks in broken English. Um, but sloth is probably one of the most lovable '80s characters. Um, he's 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 uh, like much like Andre the Giant. He's a you know gentle giant. Uh, but I remember the first time. I will say I don't remember how old I was. But I remember the first time I ever watched this. Uh, I watched the Goonies. Is when um, The Rock was really popular in WWE mm-hmm. when he was still The Rock before he became Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and I actually thought that that's who Sloth was. I was like, <laughs> hey, it's The Rock, because <clears throat> you know there's a part where you know he, you know he picks up. Um, Mama Fratelli and throws her off the plank. Yeah. I just threw my uh, uh, microphone cord. Um, <clears throat> so I just thought he was The Rock. And I remember my uncle JD saying, <laughs> Rain, this movie was made before The Rock was born. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, then who do they have that strong as The Rock? I actually don't think that's true either. I think. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure The Rock was probably in his teens when this movie came out. Um, I don't know how old The Rock is. I, he, I think he's in his 40s. <clears throat> anyway. But yeah, you know, just a little little fun fact uh, to the, in the inner mind of young Rain 
<laughs> not understanding timelines. Hey, time is hard. I know. I mean, it is relative. I mean, ah, Jesus, here we go. Tomorrow, right. tomorrow comes and it's still today. Oh boy. All right. <laughs> uh, so moving on uh, to Jeremy's uh, second movie. Oh, my next one. Sorry, as you were talking, I am preparing for next week. So, <laughs> um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven already written down. I may let you talk about some of these. <laughs> Okay. Because I know you're going to want to do, you know, I don't know, Star Wars or some bullshit. Of course. Um, all right. Even though New <laughs> Hope doesn't come out in the 80s. Well, no, I meant Empire. Or Empire em- and Revenge. I yeah. mean, Return. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Your next movie. My second film is... I'm so happy that Mel Brooks made movies in the 80s so I because I, I don't get a chance to talk about Young Frankenstein or um, or Blazing Saddles but I get to talk about History of the World Part 1 oh, yeah. I, before you talk about the movie <clears throat> I didn't realize that was a joke the first time I watched it Oh, that, that so was, after yeah. I finished it I was like alright so when's Part 2 coming <laughs> and I, I didn't know that was yeah. the joke There, there is no Part 2 that is so let's make that clear if the, you ever see this movie don't expect a part two. Because there is none. So, As you were. this movie is different from his other ones because um, he had done, like I had mentioned, Young oh, yeah, Frankenstein. Blazing and, Saddles, Frankenstein, right, Four Chairs, you know, the, the producers. producers. Right. So <clears throat> this is different because it's episodic, right? Mm-hmm. It's going through time. So mm-hmm. we start off with cavemen, you know, then we do Romans. I forget which I forget the order and I should know the order because I've seen this movie a million times uh, I know we eventually get to the Spanish Inquisition which the Inquisition, is Inquisition what, what a show the Inquisition <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that is one of my okay keep going right. I'll talk about that in a sec so um, and I know that in the House of Jack build episode you had mentioned that episodic type films make it seem longer to you when it's yes. the opposite for me. Because I, to me, this movie is super short because it's just, you know, it's just a few episodes, you know, a few mm-hmm. mini little movies all put together. So, I mean, to me, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, episodic, so it's super different. Um, my dad and I, shout out to my dad, we love this movie very, very much. Um, we, <laughs> we don't sing the Inquisition song, which we should, but we don't. Our takeaway from the movie was in the uh, French Revolution or whatever. Oh, the it's he, good to be the king. It's good to be the king. <laughs> My dad and I say that all oh, the time. So here, I pulled it up for oh, you. Oh, thank you. The Stone Age. Yep. The Old Testament. Yep. Then the Roman Empire. Okay. Then the Spanish Inquisition. Uh-huh. And then uh, the French Revolution. Got it. And then coming attractions. Oh, the coming attractions, <laughs> right, for part two. And it was like these Jewish dudes in space. You know, it was, it was like orthodox. Uh, Jew, Jews on ice. Right. 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 No, no, no. See, Hitler on ice. And then and then the Jews. <laughs> Jews in space. Jews you, in space, you're right. right. You're right. And the, the like orthodox Jews. And they're in space. And, you know, <laughs> they have their, their hats and the curls and the whatever. Uh, anyway. So, <laughs> like I said... Good to be the king, Dad, and I say that all the time. Um, this movie also gave us a phenomenal Gregory Hines performance. I love Gregory Hines very, very much. He is in the Roman Empire um, scene, and also in the other when they when they break through because it's mm-hmm. um, 
because at the end of the Roman Empire, they're in this wagon and they they drive off. And then later, I think in the French Revolution, yeah, they he, show up again. He, yeah, he saves. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, he saves. Shit, what's his character? He he, he, he saves um, um, the character that Mel Brooks is playing. Mm-hmm. Now, Mel Brooks plays a lot of characters in this one. Because um, he, he plays almost all of the Yeah, he, he's, all he's the in characters all of yeah. in, in all his movies. I'm not sure he's in the Stone Age part. Um, I mean, unless he's in makeup, because yeah. I think they're all in makeup. Right. So he might be. I don't know. But it's just it's brilliant. It's it's Mel Brooks the whole way through. It's, well, Sid Caesar's definitely in it. Yeah, Sid Caesar is in it. <laughs> Dom DeLuise. Um, R.I.P. Dom DeLuise. Oh, Dom DeLuise. God, I love Dom DeLuise. Um, I mean, uh, Madeline Kahn, because she's in all of it, right? Yeah. She's in all of this stuff, um, whom I love very, very much. She's <laughs> Hers was the uh, step on the same foot at the same time, because they're carrying her. You know, she has her, her servants carry her in this bed, and they're all like pallbearers, right? And so they're not they're not in sync, and so she's, <laughs> she's wobbling. And so <laughs> she's yelling at them to... On the same foot. <laughs> I actually, uh, sidebar, I have the History Roll Part 1 on VHS. Nice. On my bookshelf. It's it's a good one to have. Uh, I love History of the World Part 1. I love Mel Brooks. You know geez. what made me so sad hmm. when you, you mentioned we're doing the 80s is that The Jerk was made in 79. <laughs> that really pissed me off. And that being there was made in 79. Yeah. That pissed me off, too, because I'm like, no, I want to talk about that. So, but anyway. And we I, also can't talk about Blazing Saddles. Which, right. <sighs> so I'm just glad that he not only made one, but two in the 80s. Um, you'll probably talk about the other. And yeah. um, But my favorite of his in the 80s was History of the World Part One. Yeah. it's. I movie, love History of the World. I mean, I love uh, – Mel Brooks is – he was so – cutting edge the entire time he's been making movies you know like when he did Young Frankenstein he wanted it to be a true homage to Boris Karloff's Frankenstein and so when he went to uh, well it was Gene's idea mm -hmm. yeah yeah Gene wrote it but he he wanted Mel to direct it yeah and so when Mel took the movie and both of them wanted it to be in black and white they're like it has to be I, wanna, I can't. I can't remember what studios uh, uh, agreed at first. We need to stick by our rules. Why are we talking about this? I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, um, but you know, but Mel. So the point I'm making is that Mel's always been cutting edge, and he always changes his formula. Yeah. Like, you know, Mel doesn't have a set formula of his comedy. And I think this one is a history of the world part one is a perfect example of that. And again. The Spanish Inquisition is one of the best parts of that movie. So if anyone doesn't know, a little history. The Spanish Inquisition was a time where Spaniards were trying to convert Jews to Christianity. And it was a very um, terrible time because they were torturing these Jewish men and women, Mm -hmm. um, trying to make them convert. So what Mel Brooks does... And Mel Brooks um, really doubles down on the comedy of the torture and hardships of the Jewish people. He, he's, well, being he, a Jew himself. He, he himself is Jewish. And so um, 
And so what he did was he created this song and dance number, like a Broadway style song and dance number about the Inquisition. <laughs> and, I, and I love it's the hilarious. opening of that is the um, um, the uh, talk about a, you know, the, the something. Let's face it. You can talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then that's when Mel comes in and they start the the Inquisition. The Inquisition. I started yeah. singing that. Me and Ashley were doing a deep clean of the house one day. And I, that just hit me. Because, again, it's my favorite part of that movie. I mean, yeah. the whole movie's great. But that is one of my favorite parts. And I just started singing it. And she was like, what the hell are you singing? It's a shame she doesn't know. And I was like... I was like, I'm singing the Inquisition, and because uh, I remember the the whole first part of the song. I'm not going to sing it because it <laughs> it can be construed as offensive, right? <laughs> One of okay, so if we're just going to talk about Mel Brooks for a second, my I love I also very much love Martin Short. I think he's hilarious. Oh yes, absolutely. And as, so his Jiminy, his Jiminy Glick character, um, Martin Short in. Um, when he was, you know, doing the interviews of famous people, he interviewed Mel Brooks. And the first thing out of his mouth, the first question was, so what's your beef with the Nazis? <laughs> Mel, Mel just dies laughing. He thinks that is so funny. And so do I. I think that's really funny. Because I mean, don't, you know. Um, but I, I love Martin Short. Shout out to Martin Short. I know you're not listening, but... You know, whatever. Um, I mean, I think, you know, maybe this is for a future episode, but I think we should do a whole episode on Mel Brooks. Okay. Uh, much later. And I'm sure our listeners are like, Jesus Christ. So, you know what? Uh, Sorry, the four of you. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep this going, and we're going to go to another Mel Brooks movie for my next movie. Okay. And that is uh, Spaceballs, 1987. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, again, Mel Brooks changing um, his version of comedy and I want to say his first parody really because this is a parody mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking well I mean I mean it's his first parody of pop culture because I mean um, technically uh, no it's not because technically young Frankenstein's a parody well, as well yeah, that's right true. And so and I think most of his stuff is parody well, yeah, because high anxiety is a parody of of uh, Alfred Hitchcock. That's right. And I couldn't talk about that one either. Thanks a lot. That was like <laughs> 77 or something. Um, um, and, you know, Blazing Saddles is Westerns. And, uh, um, okay. Well, okay. Let me, then let me rewrite. Uh, a par- yeah, you were right. Parody of pop culture. So it's a parody of Star Wars. It's a parody of Star Trek. It's a parody of Alien. Um, and I have it up, so I'm not just remembering these things. Oh. Well, I remember uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. I'd like you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that most of my stuff is from memory. <laughs> Uh, he does Wizard of Oz, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, it is by far, in my opinion, his most out there mm-hmm. parody, but it's still very much Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so the film opens just like Star Wars. Spaceballs flashes across the screen and then with the scrolling text mm-hmm. that's like <laughs> fucking written in like old English <laughs> because of the spi- the 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 what is it the the uh, like the Jewish druids the 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 the, the ah, fuck I'm fucking it up anyway <laughs> and 
And it's so good. And Rick Moranis is Dark Helmet. Yep. I love this Rick Moranis. Abnormally large helmet that yep. has a, a visor that goes up and down. <laughs> uh, it's so good. And one of my favorite. So, okay. I'm going to keep it short because I really want to, just like with Airplane, I really want to talk about all the, 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 the nitty, the nittiness of Spaceballs. Whole point of Spaceballs is um, Princess, ah, shit, Princess Vespa <laughs> doesn't want to get married to Prince Valium. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. And uh, runs away from her, her, um, her planet of Druidia. And her dad uh, contacts Lone Star, played by Bill Pullman. I love Bill Pullman. Yes. And um, asks him to find her and bring her home because the Space Balls, and Space Balls is the, uh, like the Empire, uh, want to take the oxygen from Druidia because the Space Balls have ruined the oxygen of their planet. Oh, no. Yes, and uh, they're trying to get the access code to the, uh, the, the 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 protective shield around Juridia to steal their oxygen. And Lone Star, um, Princess Vespa, and John Candy. Yeah. Now here's the my favorite part of the movie is John Candy. So yeah. I'm I don't like this movie that much. Uh, it's because I'm not really a Star Wars person, uh, a Star Trek right. person. So it would be lost on me. Uh, but I love John Candy. Anything he does. Because he's the candy man. Because he's John Candy. Yes. And you're not. I know. I wish I was, but I mean, I'm not going to make that. You're not just generally. Well, but I'm not going to make the joke I was just about to make. So (laughs) it was more of a Chevy Chase. I was going to say. I was going to say. Because if I was, it'd be dead. It's a good point. (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) so uh, so the whole movie is just is it's it's just strewn. With, you know, with parodies of Star Wars and Star Trek and Alien, they even had John Hurt come back and play his character that he was in Alien, um, which he re-experiences <laughs> the uh, his death scene from Alien of the Alien shooting out of his stomach. I really like the um, the fourth wall stuff. So like they put oh, in the movie the, the, what's happening now. Yeah. So they put in the movie <laughs> to see what's going to happen. <laughs> Yes. So, it's too funny, man. I love it. Yeah. So, because I, uh, Mel Brooks and Breaking the Fourth Wall, it, it's not a Mel Brooks film unless someone breaks the fourth wall at least once or twice. Yeah. Or the whole movie, which I don't care. I, I would love that. And so the point, so they're, they're trying to find Lone Star and Princess Vespa and, um, Dark Helmet, Rick Moranis, and his right-hand man, Colonel Sanders, played by uh, George Weiner, yeah. um, are trying to figure out where they are. And so George Weiner, Colonel Sanders, goes, like, you know, bring me the the Spaceballs VHS tape. <laughs> and Rick Moranis looks at the camera, and he looks back at Sanders, and he's like, Sanders, how, how do we have the Spaceballs cassette tape when we're still in the middle of making it? And what's funny is... At that moment, the guy's trying the the the, the cadet or whatever's trying to find it, and he's going through Mel Brooks's movies like yeah. Fortunes, uh, you know, History of the Part One, and, and he's like, ah, I found it, Spaceballs the movie, and Rick Moranis is like, what? And so they're fast forwarding through it, fast forwarding through it, and uh, you know they, you know, Rick Moranis sees you know when they go to uh, <laughs> ludicrous speed, yeah. 
and they go plaid. Oh my god, there's so many. Ah. And uh, he's like, skip this part. Matter of fact, never ever play this part ever again because you know he gets hurt. Yeah. And then they get to a part where the the camera's on them mm-hmm. and they're you know looking at the camera, looking back, and Rick Moranis is like, when does this happen in the movie? And Sanders is like, now. Everything that's happening now, happen now. <laughs> and it's just, it's so good. And the comedy is so fast. And it's just, ah. I, I personally love this movie. And did you know George Lucas signed off on Mel parodying mm-hmm. Star Wars? His only stipulation was, your toys can't look like mine. Mm. And Mel was like, I can do that. And which is funny because Mel then makes the point yeah. of merchandising. Yeah, in the movie. That's yeah. where the real money is made. <laughs> you know, we have space balls, the lunchbox, space balls, the toilet paper, space balls, <laughs> the comforter, space balls, the flamethrower. The kids <laughs> love this one. Which, it's so good. I mean, and uh, the ending, uh, I will say this the ending of the movie I didn't personally like because, you know, he. Lone Star goes back and he marries Princess Vespa. Like, who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. But, it, I don't know. I didn't like the ending, but the, everything else leading up to that is so funny. Um, and a, and one of my favorite parts is when um, they blow up the maid that's sucking the air out of Druidia. Mm-hmm. And it's like Planet of the Apes. <laughs> and so they're climbing out of the maid. Uh, Mel Brooks as um, President Scroob, Sanders, and Dark Helmet. And the... <laughs> Apes are like, like oh look, looks like space balls. <laughs> like, well shit, the planet's fucked. <laughs> so good. It's um, um, and of course we have the Schwartz. Yep. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> there's so much I, I would love to talk about the movie, but I know we need to keep going for time. But uh, everyone, space balls. History of the World Part 1. So your next movie. Okay. Now, if History of the World Part 1 was a shout-out to my dad, this one's a shout-out to Mom. Hi, Mom. Um, It is summer school, and I know we talked about um, Rob Reiner last week. This week, it's his dad, Carl. Um, Carl Reiner directed this movie. Um, And Carl Reiner also, like, he created... Uh, Dick Van Dyke and um, uh. Mary Tyler Moore show. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Um, he's a staple in pop culture. And him and Mel Brooks have dinner every night. Really? Yeah, they live a block away from each other and they just walk to each other's That's house and awesome. watch every night and watch an action movie. Uh, speaking of action movies, sorry. We'll get to summer school in a second. Sorry, Mom, hang on. Dude, I saw The Raid the other day. I had never seen it. That movie is Rad. <laughs> Aren't there like three of those? I just know of two, but they're so good. Anyway. Alright. I recommend Carl and Mel to watch The Red. Um, anyway, Summer School. So Summer School as stars Mark Harmon, which is why my mom loves this movie more than anything in the world, because Mark Harmon is a stone-cold fox in this movie, bro. Dude's okay. handsome as hell. <laughs> Alright? Dude's uh, roller, roller skating shirtless on the beach. <laughs> what? It's awesome. Anyway. Wait. Is he roller skating on, like, Venice Beach? I don't know. I don't know what beach it is. Is it in L.A.? I think so. This is probably Venice Beach. Does he have headphones on? Yeah. Dude. And a uh, visor, yeah. Huh? And a visor and huh. sunglasses and, yeah. Have people you seen this movie? Par- people parody that scene a lot, don't they? I don't know. I, I just is he in, that. like, short shorts? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think, yeah. I think people parody that because I know, I mean, 
I don't think we've ever talked about my love for gorillas, but in one of their recent music videos, uh, 2D, the singer is rollerblading. He's not shirtless, but he's rollerblading on Venice Beach, and he's got like 19. Well, they're Beats headphones, but he's got Beats headphones on. But he's got short shorts on, and he's just rollerblading like living his best life. Yeah, dude, and that's Mark Harmon, dude. Mark Harmon's living his best life. However, oh no, so. The movie goes, uh, he is the gym teacher. Okay. And, dude, this dude's too cool for school, bro. All right? He is just trying to get by because you know why he's a teacher? Summer. <laughs> he gets summer off, right? Uh-huh. And so he he and his girlfriend or fiance um, are going to Hawaii. Okay. Um, they have the car packed and everything. And the um, – I have his name written down. The – uh, principal, played by Robin Thomas, uh, he is the warlock in Halloween Town. Uh, he's also the mayor of Halloween Town. That turns out to be the the evil oh, warlock. Oh, right, 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 right. So, <laughs> shout out to Halloween Town. Love that well, movie. Speaking of which, so me and Ashley are thinking about doing a Thirty One Days of Halloween. I uh, think because mm-hmm. we did that for Christmas last year. We we did a, a Twenty Five Days of Christmas Christmas-y. where we watch movies. Christmas movies all throughout the December. Keep it good. So we're thinking about doing that for October. Cool. I was like, well, we have to watch Halloween Town. Of course. And she was like, well, how am I going to find them? I'm like, I don't know, but we're going to watch it. Oh, no, that one's easy to find. Uh, it's was like, harder to find Phantom of the Megaplex and... Well, I don't care about any of these... What? Se- the, the, like, the, the, the first two Halloween Towns. Well, are I'm good. talking Phantom of the Megaplex, bro. Separate movie. Uh, and <laughs> my mom's on a date with a vampire and under wraps. Uh, don't look under the bed. Those are really hard to find. So good luck. Um, anyway, summer school. Summer school. So, um, and so now uh, the <laughs> uh, Carl Reiner mm-hmm. um, was going to teach summer school. Okay. Right? His character. He's in the movie. Um, okay. But he's doing a scratcher in the beginning of the movie, and, and there's tons of scratchers everywhere. And he, scra- and he, and he wins big. Right. Okay. And he tells everyone to go fuck themselves, and <laughs> and he leaves. He quits. He's like, uh, you know, go to hell. I'm I quit. I'm rich now. Bye. You know. <laughs> and and he bolts. And so now, uh, uh, Robin Thomas is like, oh no, I gotta find someone to teach summer school remedial English. And so. Um, he he keeps asking everybody, right? Will you do it? No. Will you do it? No. And everyone's leaving. And Mark Harmon is about to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And he catches him. And he goes, you're teaching summer school. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he goes, yep, you are because you're up for tenure. And if you don't do this, you'll lose it. And he's like, ah. <laughs> You know, and okay. he's like, sorry, honey, we can't go to Hawaii. She goes, yeah, we can't go, but I can. So I'll see you later. And, oh, she does it. <laughs> and so she goes, right. Um, and so this guy, so Mark Harmon, again, like I said, too cool for school, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to be there, you know. And he meets these um, these misfit kids, right. Okay. One of them is super jacked, by the way, and he sleeps in class every day. Okay. Right? Um, he meets Jerome. Jerome is in the movie for approximately three minutes. All right? Okay. Uh, he goes, there was a mistake. I passed that test. I don't need to be here. Right? He's like, so, there's a mistake. He's like, okay, well, I'm sorry, man. This is like, Fine. Can I go to the bathroom? And he goes, Okay. And he gives him the, the key, and then he leaves. 
and then he doesn't come back. <laughs> um, he comes back at the very end when they take the test again, and he makes like a 99 or something. He's like, oh, I guess it was a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so he bails. Anyway, it's just one of those small jokes. Now, you will like this. Uh, Richard Stephen Horvitz is one of the kids, and he is the voice of Invader Zip. Ah, yeah, I love Invader Sim. I know. So um, this thing is scattered with with people you may recognize. Um, like if you ever saw the Jim Belushi movie, uh, show, according to Jim, uh-huh. the woman who plays his wife is also uh, in this uh, in this oh. movie as well. But anyway, so shout out to my mom. We love this movie so much. We may, I mean, we don't like this more than Son in Law. Because we love Son-in-Law. Oh, dude, Son-in-Law is great. We love Son-in-Law. Holly Shore? This is a very close second to Son-in-Law, right? So we're always talking about summer school. <laughs> um, and also shout out to um, my buddy Keegan and his dad. Uh, mm-hmm. His dad loves summer school as well. And okay. we're going to get to my next movie after this. And they both love my next one. But anyway, we'll get there. So... Anyway, so now he's got to figure out how to teach these kids, right? And at first, he doesn't really care, right? Right. He doesn't want to. He's just going to bail. You know, he's just going to eat donuts and chill, right? But then he meets his next-door neighbor, uh, the um, next-door neighbor meeting next classroom over. Okay. And it's Kirstie Alley. And it's a good-looking 80s Kirstie Alley, right? Before she... Right. I'm not going to be rude. Don't but. be rude. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, this is like Cheers, Kirstie Alley. Ah. Um, and she happens to be dating the principal, mm-hmm. who, remember, is mean. Um, anyway, so uh, he wants to impress her. And so um, he she thinks he's a slacker, doesn't want to do anything. And at first she's right. So what he does is he takes peop- these kids on field trips. No one can see me air quoting field trips and they go to the petting zoo they go to the carnival they go goat karting they go you know and and then you know something snaps in him and he decides you know what let's actually do this for real let's let's actually work on this but i'm yada yada through a lot of the that epiphany right okay and then they start doing it for real but i mean this movie is filled with just stupid slapstick and just like quick one-liners and my favorite characters are Chainsaw. Okay. Um, and, and his buddy. I think his buddy's name is Frank. Um, but <laughs> so Chainsaw and his buddy, they love the Chainsaw Massacre, the Test Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Right. And even so much so that they show it in class once mm-hmm. and they have to write a paper on it, whatever. Um, but they also do um, special effects makeup. And so what they'll do is they'll play a prank on people and, like, make it look like like they've got stabbed in the throat or, <laughs> like, their eye has fallen out or something like that. They actually do it to the whole class does it, right? Oh, shit. It's so funny. Um, anyway, Chainsaw. God, I love Chainsaw, right? I, I love this movie. Summer School, it has terrible reviews because people hate fun. Okay, because this movie is just plain fun. Um, Again, Mark Harmon, Stone Cold Fox. Um, Mom loves him so much and uh, loved him when he was doing his Coors ads in the, Ah. I think in the late seventies, early eighties. And this movie's also early eighties, I think. Um, But 
what else can I say about summer school that is just so it's just, I just love it so much you know I mean mm-hmm. it's it's silly I mean the premise really kind of doesn't make sense because you know if you think about it in reality he would get in so much trouble for doing all this blah 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 who cares yeah right it's funny it's fun it's Mark Harmon that's summer school <laughs> So I, I want to add before I move on to my next movie, I was doing a little reading while you were talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. And apparently in early 2012, um, uh, Adam Sandler's production company, Happy Madison Productions, mm-hmm. signed on to do the remake of Summer School. That would make me very sad. But that was back in 2012. So Good. who knows if it's going to still happen. I don't want it to. I like Summer School. I like it the way it is. Well, apparently they uh, the, they asked the guy who played Chainsaw in the yep. original who, who he would who he would like to see um, play Chainsaw in a remake and mm-hmm. he said Shia LaBeouf <laughs> or Zach Braff <laughs> but that was alright I mean they're they're both of them are too old yeah to be high school kids oh absolutely um, I mean Zach Braff is like he's in his 40s 40, isn't he yeah and, and Shia LaBeouf's just crazy nah he's cool I mean I mean love that guy but he's crazy uh Okay, so moving on with my next movie, kind of sticking with the theme of uh, high school and, uh, you know, if this were to actually happen, you'd be in so much trouble. Um, And that is my second coming-of-age movie, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I also love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. John Hughes at... I wouldn't say his best, just John Hughes being John Hughes. Yeah. Making these great teen comedies and an outstanding cast. Like, I read somewhere that, like, Matthew Broderick originally wasn't going to do it. Hmm. And, like, well, he, he was on the fence. Because I read that Matthew Broderick wasn't the original choice. Um, and... Was it Eric Stoltz? Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, dude, oh my god! Uh, but now it's like no one else could play Ferris Bueller. I agree. Um, and I firmly believe that if Hollywood ever remakes this movie, they should not. They uh, Hollywood is just uh, they're just they're done. Like it's just it. Like no more movies should ever be made ever if this movie gets remade. Now I would argue that um, I apologize for the crinkling. I'm trying to. Get comfortable. <laughs> it is. It is chair. Um, I would argue that it is a one of the few coming of age stories where the person coming of age isn't doesn't the main learn anything. Char- well, isn't the main character? No, the no, person yeah, who comes right. of age is Cameron. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes, yes. It's yes. really Cameron's coming of age story. Exactly. And, uh, and Ferris. Yes. Ferris doesn't. I mean, to him, he didn't do anything wrong, and if he did, he got away with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, like I said with uh, Goonies. If you are, uh, I'm going to say um, a much more, a more rude term for this one. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you, what are you, you're just an oaf. An oaf. An oaf. Ah. I, like I said, I've been watching New Girl and there's this episode where uh, Schmidt calls Winston an oaf because oh. he's talking to him about fish. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he's like, the something fish is a version of the mahi-mahi and it pairs perfectly with citrus. You oaf. <laughs> Nah, dude. Fish breathe water. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't trust them. I don't trust fish. They breathe water. That's anyway, crazy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It is about a young man, Ferris Bueller, who he just doesn't feel like going to school one day. 
And uh, he's done clearly he's done this multiple times. Just doesn't go to school. Uh, and he gets away with it. And his older sister, Jeannie, played by... Um, Jennifer Bray? Yes. Uh, she doesn't understand how he gets away with it. And, and everybody loves Ferris, by the way. Yeah, and everyone hates Jeannie. <laughs> like, everyone... Like, I, I feel like Jeannie. I read somewhere where, like, people... Like, they just, they just hate Jeannie so much. <laughs> uh, but I'll get there in a second. Um, so, Ferris wakes up one morning and he's like, I don't want to go to school today. Like, I just don't. So, he fakes um, a stomach cramp and... My, this is one of my mom's favorite lines. Because uh, so in the movie, Ferris talk, Ferris breaks the fourth wall and he talks directly into camera. And he's talking to the camera. And I'd like to know how many kids in the 80s actually did this, where they took his advice oh, and yeah. faked a stomach cramp. <clears throat> and licking the palms so they're clammy. And, yeah. yeah. And my mom loves that line because how Matthew Broderick says palms. Yeah. He's like, you lick your palms. Lick your palms. Uh, he's like, it may be stupid and childish, but this is my favorite line. It may be stupid and childish, but then again, so is high school. So is high school. That's right. Uh, and so the whole movie is Ferris deciding, I'm going to take a day off. I'm not going to school today. I'm going to call my best friend Cameron, and he's going to come hang out with me. <laughs> and Cameron is played by um, Alan, Alan Ruck. Ruck, who has not had the most... He's had a very rocky career. I mean... Yeah. Now that he's older, I feel well, like he's he was kinda... in Spin City for a few years. Yeah. Well, I feel like now that he's he's older, he's getting up. You know, he, he, he's yeah, I've always been like... a big fan of his. I really oh, yeah, like so He was love... in the first season of The Exorcist as well. Um, that oh, yeah. was more recent. That's right. I so I love Alan Ruck. And he I also did... guest starred in Psych. Yeah. Uh, anyway, justified. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, the, the dude's still working. Yeah. He um, just unlike Matthew Broderick, his career just didn't. <laughs> Take yeah, but off. better than what's her face. Uh, oh, the chick who played um, Sloan. Yeah, Mia Sarah. Uh, shout out to my boy Keegan and his wife Sloan. His wife's name is Sloan. Really? And, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, so he calls up Cameron, and Cameron is he? He's he's the friend I know we all have. Um, who's just he's a hypochondriac. He's depressed constantly. Yeah, he's sad. Um, but he's also loaded. <laughs> like, Cameron is definitely the rich friend here, but he's so depressed. He he doesn't want to, like, when when Ferris calls him, you know, he's like, Cameron, how are you feeling, babe? And he's and his response, and I love it, shredded, <laughs> because he's just he's just very depressed. He doesn't want to get out of bed, and so Ferris kind of rallies him, like. You know, come hang out with me. I'm expecting you over at my house in 15 minutes. And that also has one of my favorite scenes where Cameron's sitting in his car. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because Ferris is like 10 bucks. He's sitting in his car deciding whether or not to come. And Cameron's sitting there in his car and he's like, he'll keep calling me. <laughs> he'll keep calling me. It's so great. He'll make me feel guilty. Just, oh, go. Oh, go. And just... And then you could see him in the background because yeah, and just like stamping his feet, he's so mad because he can't decide. <laughs> and and he eventually comes over. Now, now you yada yada over my favorite, um, Jeffrey Jones as no. Rooney. Oh my God, Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> real life pedophile Jeffrey Jones. No, thank you. No, you yada yada over my favorite line Cameron has in the beginning, um, which is something I do a lot. I text my mom. <laughs> 
this all the time when she's not feeling well if I'm not feeling well we'll go uh, when Jeremy was in Egypt when Jeremy was in Egypt's Egypt land, land let my let Jeremy Cameron. go because when Cameron was in Egypt's land let my Cameron go and we always send each other him in bed just saying I'm, I'm dying I'm dying or I feel like shit I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> I feel like shit Ferris I don't want to go that's right and so we, we send each other that all the time that's always how I feel when I'm sick. <laughs> so, uh, so the assistant principal of Ferris's Ferris and Genie's High School is a guy named uh, Edward R. Rooney. Rooney, uh, played by Jeffrey Jones, as real life said. pedophile Jeffrey Jones, real life pedophile, um, who has made it his life's mission <laughs> to bust Ferris because uh, he has missed school, and uh, I know this because he says it. Like five or six times, he's missed school nine times. Yeah, and he says it just like that because because they're, they're from Chicago. Yeah, and so they have that Chicago accent. Uh, and and then I love and uh, and so he's on the phone with Ferris's mom. He's like, I have it right here in front of me. And Harris Ferris hacks the computer and changes it to what like three because because only- Jeannie got a car, he got a computer. <laughs> How's that for being born under a bad sign? <laughs> I love this movie. I can quote this whole movie. Um, and so he convinces Cameron to come over. And they decide that they're going to get Sloane out, which is Ferris's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. A, she's a year younger than them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're seniors. Mm-hmm. Which, wait, is Ferris older or is Jeannie older? Because if Ferris is about to graduate, then why is Jeannie still in high school? Oh, that's a really good point. Then Jeannie must be the younger. Or the twins, but I don't think they're twins. I don't think they are. I guess Jeannie is younger then. Wow. Uh, you know what? I've never thought about that. Neither have I. <laughs> but, well, actually, no. That's a lie. I think about it constantly because I'm like, who is older? <laughs> if Ferris is about to graduate and go to college, then I think it's she. Huh. I think she's. I think she's younger. Well, she has to be because because she comes into the office at one point. The secretary, uh, Grace, is like, is so and so expecting you? And she's like, probably, probably. Uh, anyway. I love. Grace, uh, the the scene where she's pulling pencils out of her pencils hair. Pencils out of her, and and that's when Rooney. That's when he's hacking the computer, and Rooney's like Grace, 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 and it's <laughs> she's surprised of how many pencils are in her hair. And like she pulls she's, one out and she looks at it, and she's shocked. And, and then she another, goes back and she's like, <laughs> uh, Let me let me just tell the listening audience how much I love this movie. I have a tattoo. Uh, my chest that says life moves pretty fast. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so I love Ferris Bueller. Doesn't much. know. The most famous line is Ferris talking to the camera. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to take around a bit, you might miss it. Hey, you miss quite a little bit, nah, but you got the Anyway, so he convinces Cameron to come over. They decide to call the school and they're going to get Sloan out. So they fake <laughs> that Sloan's grandmother died and uh, Cameron pretending to be her father. Which is one of it's. I mean, I don't have a favorite part. The whole movie is great, but this definitely is up there. And uh, a family member dies, <laughs> and you insult me. I my favorite line is "Call me sir, goddamn it." Call, Call me, me sir. sir, goddamn it. Yes, 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 sir, yes, sir. <laughs> um, I don't know so, that a lot there. So they get Sloan out, but they take Cameron's dad. Cameron's dad's restored like what 1965 Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah. Um, they take it out and they go into the city of Chicago. Like Jeremy mentioned, they're, they're from Chicago and they just, they just have a day off. Now my, here's where we can discuss the, and later we'll discuss the, uh, the fan theories, but right now I want to discuss how the hell they did all that stuff in one day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if anyone, again, if you haven't seen this, why? 
But secondly, they, you know, they go to Wrigley Field. They watch a complete Bears game. All right. <laughs> First off, it's Cubs. And oh, second... Um, well, it's a bear. Oh, my God. So, well, because he even says, like, because when Rooney thinks he corners Ferris at the pizzeria, he asks the guy, like, oh, who's winning? Uh, oh, zero, zero. Yeah, so who's up? The Bears. Or does he say the Cubs? Cubs. Oh, fuck um, So, anyway... Um, which is also a funny line because <laughs> they're tied. Anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. They're tied. Yeah, they're, they're tied. And he goes, well, who's winning? He goes, the Cubs. <laughs> you know, no one's winning. It's tied. Anyway. Um, so actually, I think it was 0-0 zero, zero or something. And so he's like, well, who's winning? And, uh, anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. It could matter. Anyway. Anyway. So anyway, um, another thing that shout out to my mom, we tell each other all the time, especially when she's watching baseball, the, she'll she'll text me. She goes, swing, swing, and then we go, he can it, he can it, he can it, he can it, swing, we do that all the time. Uh, this movie has definitely had a big impact on my vocabulary oh, yeah. and my vernacular. Absolutely. And my cadence. But uh, then they go to the uh, they go to Sears Tower. Mm-hmm. They go to the uh, I, I have it up also. They go to the Art Institute of Chicago, mm-hmm. which is another very famous sequence that I know a lot of and a family guys definitely parried it. Yeah, because they um they go with like a like a fifth grade field trip. Yeah, they get caught in a fifth grade field trip. They're all holding hands oh, and they're yeah. all in the center of it. But um, I was going to say the Family Guy thing. Um, shout out to my boy Kale again. This is one of our favorites. Um, uh, Peter goes to the Chicago Museum of Art, and <laughs> the options of uh, audio tours are the senior curator or Dennis Verena. <laughs> And he chooses Dennis Farina, and he's like, hey, dirt chief, Dennis Farina here. Just so you know, I'm going to be eating through most of this. And, and Peter's like, this is the one. Uh, anyway, it's hilarious. Uh, I the, highly the, recommend looking at it. They that. also go to the Chicago Exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again. Yeah. They, kept, they kept doing the, the hand things. <laughs> anyway, sorry uh, for your ears. If that was too that's much. where I also learned the whole cheek and uh, uh, water droplet thing. Oh, the, yeah, though. Yeah, hopefully yeah. that picked up. That was pretty good. Anyway, um, and then one of my another one of my favorite parts is when they 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 um, lie their way to go to uh, what's the restaurant uh, Shay. Oh, and they're Abe Froman. The Abe from the Sausage King of Chicago. The sausage. <laughs> That's me. And uh, but it has my favorite line. So they they enjoy their very fancy five star dinner, which I want to know how these three high schoolers af- was a- were able to afford that. Honestly, they probably bailed on the check. <laughs> probably if I know Ferris. Um, but there's outside the the ho- the the restaurant, and Ferris's dad yeah. is there, and uh, this is one of my favorite lines. He talks directly in the camera, like like over 200 restaurants in the downtown area alone, and I picked the one my father goes to. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, Cameron is like, "We're pinched for sure. We should just give up." And Ferris is like, "No, it's for the week. Let's go." <laughs> and they like steal, they steal his dad's cab and they take off. But um, uh, it's one of those you know comedic timing deals. Once they steal his cab, he's talking to someone, and another cab pulls up, and it's like it was never. It was that's all, right. It was always there, and so his dad didn't even notice. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, my thing was, um, 
at the when they run into him again uh, in traffic. It's it's right before the parade. Right, and oh, the parade scene. We'll get there. So, um, but Sloane is looking at him, and he doesn't recognize Sloane. That's that's what that's I, what got me. Like, shouldn't he know who Sloane is? My theory is I'm I'm poking holes in a perfect movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> my my th- my theory is, is maybe Ferris has never just brought Sloane around. I see. That's my thing. Okay. But that's another one because it's after the they go to the art museum, and Cameron sees him first, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Look yep. over there!" And they all and and, uh, and the and this is what John Hughes is just a great director is you know the camera follows them as they all turn their heads and the camera falls falls and then boom we see his dad in the cab and then his dad does a double take and the camera goes right back and, and just Sloan and just Sloan and Ferris and Cameron are gone and they're rubbing the rabbit's foot and they're like <laughs> yeah and they're, and they're and then, passing it they're passing it to each other <laughs> and so and so Ferris is talking to Sloan and Sloan is flirting with yeah. Ferris's dad through the glass yeah and so, and fun fact about the the actors that play Ferris's parents is they got married after that. Really? Yeah. Very so they were actually a couple after that. I think they got divorced later, but wow. um, I mean, and the my picture on my phone for my mom is Ferris's mom. Really? By the way, so it was so when she calls, Ferris's mom pops up. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, um. So before we get to the parade, which is another very famous sequence, yeah. um, during this whole time of them just enjoying their day, uh, first I just like to mention they try to park the uh, Ferrari at a parking garage, which Cameron has the best line for that. Like, no, we're not, we're not leaving it here. Why? It's a parking garage. We'll be fine. It could get wrecked, <laughs> stolen. The pigeon uh, breathed on wrong. The pigeon could shit on it, which I love. The the breathing on yeah. the car is a priority. Breathed on wrong, but yeah. the the guy that Ferris tips a, a five ski to, which he likes to point out, hey, give a guy a five ski and it makes his day or something. Well, he steals the fucking Ferrari. Yeah. So these guys are out on a joyride, and we do run into them a few times. Yeah, we run into them, and we're getting the the Star Wars like dun dun dun, yeah. and they're like. Soaring over like yeah. the Chicago like bridge or whatever, um, but then Rooney is trying to break into Ferris's house to prove that Ferris is not there. Um, which you know, kind of saying what you were saying about summer school. If this happened in real life, that dude he would so get fired. Of course. Um, which is funny that we're talking about Ferris Bueller because I got to the episode of New Girl mm-hmm. where Jess thinks that. The movie is should be called The Day That Rooney Tried to Do His Job. Yeah. <laughs> and Nick is yeah, like, hashtag no, Rooney was right. Like, no one roots for Rooney. <laughs> roots um, for Rooney. But, you know, Rooney encounters their their Rottweiler, who viciously attacks him. Yeah. Um, he, Jeannie comes home, I guess, for her lunch period. Kicks Rooney because she thinks it's Ferris. Yeah. So Jeannie's also getting traumatized. Yeah. Um, and so then we kind of we cut back to Ferris and the gang, and they at some point they get out of their cab, I guess to really try to make sure they don't get seen by Ferris's dad. Mm-hmm. And Cameron and Sloan can't find Ferris anywhere. And you know Cameron's convinced like oh he'd go back to school just to mess with me. <laughs> And someone's like, why would he go back to school? <laughs> and Ferris has snuck onto the Deutschland float. Yeah. 
of this uh, Have It Up, the the Van Steuben Day Parade. Oh, you have it up. Yeah, I've had it up. Oh, okay, because I was, um, <laughs> I'd, liked, I'd like the audience to also know I have nothing up. <laughs> um, I just, you know. My my memory is a steel trap when it comes to Ferris Bueller. But well, no, I know I know everything about the. I just didn't know what the, the parade um, was called. So, um, I was going to challenge you mm-hmm. to number one, give me the name of the song and the person who sang it. Well, okay, the first one, not the second one. Obviously, the second one's easier. This yeah. is the first. Well, so I didn't know. I don't know the singer, the the, the first one, but I know oh. it's Donka Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know the the singer. It's Wayne Newton as ah. a kid. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so Ferris is on this this float, and he lip-syncs Donka Shane, uh, which is kind of like foreshadowing, because in the beginning of the movie, when he's showering, he's singing yeah, it. Yeah, he's singing Donka Shane, He's singing Shane, yeah. it into his um, shower uh, head. Yeah. And uh, so it's almost foreshadowing that he's going to do it again. And then he lip-syncs Twist and Shout. The Beatles. Uh, by the Beatles. And... Ferris pretty much makes the parade like 10 times more awesome. Yeah. Um, and so after the parade, they go and they pick up the Ferrari and they, and Cameron's like, you know, I feel really good about this. And, but Ferris notices something about the Ferrari and he's, he's counting on his hand mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey Cameron, how much, mi- how many miles were on the Ferrari? Because uh, Cameron mentions that his dad checks the mileage. Mm-hmm. And Cameron's like, oh, it has, you know, this, you know, this much. Like, why? How many are on there now? Because Ferris assures him they can take the miles off. We'll just drive home backwards. Drive home backwards. Which, sidebar, is impossible. That's that is, not how that works. No. They would it, have to break it open, move it manually. Yes. So, well, because the guys went on a joyride, they blew the yeah. mileage up and right. Cameron has a complete freak out he starts hyperventilating because as he mentions that this is his dad's pride and joy and he doesn't know what to do he's like <laughs> in you know they go swimming and which I don't know where, where the fuck do they go swimming at oh they probably just broke into someone's backyard my theory maybe I'm wrong I'm pretty sure I'm 100% wrong it's uh, Ferris's house. They go back to Ferris's house and swim. Yeah. But you see their backyard when Rooney breaks in, and I don't see a pool. So I think your theory is more likely that they just broke into someone's house. They just went house. to someone's house. Yeah. And so they're sitting there, Sloan and Ferris in the hot tub eating Oreos, which I would not eat while I'm in a hot tub, but that's just me. And Cameron is still just in shock, sitting on the diving board, just sitting there, and... And, you know, Ferris finally has this realization, like, wow, maybe Cameron really is sick. And Cameron tries to kill himself mm-hmm. by drowning himself. And you think he really did it. You think he really killed himself. And, you know, Ferris is trying to revive him. And this is my mom's favorite line. So Cameron, oh, you know, opens yeah. his eyes and you think like, oh, okay, thank God he's, he's alive. But he's acting really funny. <laughs> and he looks directly at Ferris and goes... Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. <laughs> and it was all just a stun, just to fuck with them. And they go back to Cameron's house. They have the Ferrari up on um, a jack mm. with a cinder block on the gas on the gas, and they have the car in reverse. And so the car's in and it's technically, not working, of course. Yeah. And so they're sitting there talking, and you know, Cameron realizes, like, you know, yeah, you know, I did think about killing myself, but at the same time, like 
I shouldn't have. And well, he starts having a panic attack because the miles aren't coming off. Right. And so Ferris says, well, you know what? I suspected that we'll have to crack open the odometer and, and rotate it back manually. And Cameron finally just, he can't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. So he has a full-on meltdown. And th- this is this is a very meaningful scene for me uh, just because it's, you know, it's, it's – it's really tough to stand up to your parents, especially mm-hmm. at that age. I mean, Chris, I mean, me and you are out of high school, so. But, you know, when I was that age, well, the age that Alan was pretending to be. Right. Yeah, it was a very meaningful scene for me. And so he kicks the shit out of the Ferrari, you know, screaming like, you know, who do you love, Dad? You love a car. Well, he dents the shit out of the car and he's like, you know what? Good. My dad will come home and see what I did. I can't ignore this. And almost like he wants his dad to find out. But during his tantrum, he pushes the Ferrari back on the uh, the the uh, um, jack. Mm-hmm. And when he kind of puts a little weight on it, he's like, yeah, I can't wait to see the look on the old man's face. The car falls off the jack and just blasts through the, their uh, hovering garage. And... As Ferris puts it, you killed the car. <laughs> and Cameron realizes, like, no, it's 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 time to stand up to my father because Ferris is ready to take the rap. And he's like, you know, your dad hates me anyway. I'll take it. I'll take the heat. Cameron, you can't handle this much heat. And Cameron's like, no, I'm going to take it. I want it. You know, I could have stopped you this morning, but I didn't because it is possible to stop the great Ferris Bueller. And so kind of like what you're saying, this movie is really about Cameron. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people don't know. Well, here, we'll get we'll get to that. So Cameron decides, like, I'm going to stand up, and he feels good for once. And then we get the, the famous sequence of Ferris running through people's backyards, yeah. trying to get home. Ba-ba-bum-bum. <laughs> and I, and I kind of yada yada over Charlie Sheen's cameo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, who cares? <laughs> but, you know, Jeannie decides, because uh, Jeannie beats Ferris home, and Jeannie decides, you know what? I'm going to let him get away with it this one last time. Because Charlie Sheen tells her, like, so who should, like, why do you care if your brother ditches or not? And uh, they don't really say, like, why she lets him get away with it, right? It's just more so she's, so she rescues him from Rooney, because Rooney apparently has been camping. He apologizes if anyone hears any sirens. Oh, yeah, the sirens, yeah. Um, I guess Rooney's just been camping in the backyard. I guess. Waiting. Yeah. (laughs) And so he catches Ferris, but then... Jeannie is like, oh, you know, we've been looking for you everywhere. Like, you need to get upstairs and lay down. Like, wink, yeah. wink. Mom and dad are outside. Get upstairs. Yeah. And she tells Rooney, like, oh, can you believe someone as sick as Ferris? Which we, we I yada yada over that, but we'll get to that. Uh, coming home from the hospital. And she's like, oh, and by the way, Mr. Rooney, you left your wallet in the kitchen floor. And Rooney's just like, oh. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Ferris gets away with it. Um no one, no, no one's the wiser. Then we get the the famous after credits scene of Ferris poking his head out like, "You're still here? Like, g- go home. Yeah, okay. Movie's over. Go home." Yeah. Which I love that Deadpool did. Yeah, that. Deadpool did that. Um, um, so I want to mention real quick before I get to, and it will be my last one. I, I think that I can. Uh, sorry, guys. I'll I'll save Cat. I'll save Caddyshack for another time. Um, because we're running. We're well, running. we're at an hour fifty. We're, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're still running. Um, 
because we still got well I still have another movie to go to yeah um, I mean I have eh, I mean I really want to talk about this one but I mean yeah so anyway I'm going to save Caddyshack for later um, and I'll just talk about my last one but um, I do want to talk about uh, the fan theory that I can dismantle with one sentence um, which I do like the creativity of the fan theory that it's like Fight Club what? and that uh, Cameron exists, but Ferris doesn't, right? Ferris is a is a, a manifestation. Of, yeah, a manifestation of his rebellion, right? Okay. Um, and I really like the creativity of that, but Genie, right? And how do you explain Genie, Genie? destroys all of that. Yeah. Uh, without Genie, you have it. Yeah. That that it all makes sense if you don't have Genie because Genie is has her own scenes talking about Ferris, you know, so... Especially with when the whole school thinks Ferris is dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Right, you also have that where um, <laughs> people are people are calling Ferris and they're using the pay phones and he's got his... His, um, his, his keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> and, and I love that he, he, you know, he looks at the camera and he's like, freshman. <laughs> and he's fucking with the keyboard like, oh wait, I think, hang on. And he like makes like a... Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, l- I love this movie. It's, it, it's a very good coming-of-age comedy. You know, most coming-of-age movies, especially in the 80s, were very heavy. You know, all of these characters learned a lesson. And, you know, they, you know, like with Stand By Me last week, you know, these kids really learn, like, friendship and... And with this one, it's more so Ferris, you know, giving his friend who needs a day off Mm -hmm. a good day. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite lines is Sloan towards the end of the movie. You know, they, you know, she, she's asking Ferris about Cameron and Ferris is like, yeah, I think, you know, the first time in his life, he'll, he's going to be okay. And, you know, Sloan says, you knew what you were going to do when you woke up this morning, didn't you? And he's like, me? Now and you know he knew exactly what he was going to do and and I think that's what the charm of Ferris Bueller why it's such a good movie mm-hmm. and uh, I'd also like to point out and this is just a qualm not with the movie that Target has safe Ferris shirts mm-hmm. but it has fucking Cameron on it <laughs> like I mean like yeah another another piece of evidence that suggests that Ferris is a part of his imagination. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I, um, yeah, I don't know why that, why that is. That's weird. But, uh, but anyway, so Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I'm pretty sure Ferris Bueller's Day Off, <laughs> we, we talked more about that. The other well, ones. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, it's, it's a great movie. I could watch that movie a million times. I'm pretty sure I have. Well, yeah. maybe not a million. But I've definitely watched it plenty of times to never get bored with it. No. Because it's it's funny from start to finish. Yeah. And it's so good. And uh, before you move on to your next movie, sure. which you said will be your final movie, I think I will also save my last movie uh, for another time as well. Yeah, for, we, for, we, are, we, we were going pretty far. <laughs> yeah. So uh, your final movie, my friend. Okay. Shout out to my boys Keegan and his dad Jay. Um, I'm talking about Better Off Dead. Okay. Um, Better Off. I can just I can just see uh, Keegan going yes <laughs> because we love this movie. Um, it is 
<laughs> it's another sort of absurdist, uh, kind of like Airplane. Uh, there's some absurdist uh, elements in it. Um, but let me start with just a synopsis. So um, John Cusack mm-hmm. um, plays Lane. Don't remember his last name. Um, Lane loves his girlfriend. Okay. Would you like to know how much? How much? Too much. So, um, like smothering too much? I mean, like he's obsessed, you know, like he opens his closet and this is part of the absurdist humor. He, he opens his closet and he has attached her, her picture to each of his hangers. Okay. And so it's like she's wearing the t-shirt. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like shoulders and everything, like shoulders and head. It is hilarious. Anyway, so, (laughs) so that's how we're introduced to him. We're introduced to this guy who just loves his girlfriend and, uh, she breaks up with him. (laughs) I know. Um, and so. Poor John Cusack. So for a lot of the movie, he's trying to kill himself and, and he never quite gets it right. Um, and it's super hilarious. I know it doesn't sound funny, but it is funny. Right? So I'm assuming it's a dark comedy. Then. That part is. Because um, <laughs> some of the other stuff is just silly, silly, goofy stuff. Um, like when his mom makes a meal for dinner, uh-huh. it looks like a glob of nothing and it moves. <laughs> right? Like a cartoon. Uh-huh. Right? Um, <laughs> which, is, which is really funny. Anyway, um, this, my friend, is my favorite comedy of the decade. Okay. Um, Better Off Dead. So it is a mix of slapstick and absurdist comedy. Um, It is my favorite John Cusack movie of all time. Um, Yeah. You you mean you don't like Say Anything? I wrote that down. I said yes, even other than Say Anything. I wrote that down. I knew you were going to say that. Louis Dobler, though? Yeah. I like this movie better than that. (laughs) Anyway. um, uh, Curtis Armstrong plays his best friend. Curtis Armstrong plays Booger. On Revenge of the Nerds, he is Metatron in Supernatural. He's uh, Dr. Foster on New Girl. Again, yes. I've been watching a lot of New Girl. And he is Snot on uh, American, American Dead. Dead. <laughs> um, I love this movie. Okay, so uh, <laughs> a lot of one-dimensional characters because, you know, okay. who cares? It's a stupid, fun comedy and doesn't matter. Right. Um, his <laughs> uh, Curtis Armstrong's bit is that he's... He's like a burnout junkie. Oh, God. Stoner, right? Uh Uh-huh. And he loves cocaine. And so, like, a big part of the movie is uh, Lane skis, right? And he challenges this guy to a ski match to try to win his girlfriend back. Uh, Anyway, uh, they're on top of this mountain, and (laughs) Curtis says one of my favorite lines, Do you know what the street value of this mountain is? (laughs) He's just looking at it like it's cocaine. So, oh my God. fun elements of the movie are um, his his bro- his little brother, Lane's uh-huh. little brother, um, is a genius, and he like makes all these experiments, but they always go wrong or whatever. Okay, um, he has no lines. Really? Um, yeah, he's just <laughs> he's just you know facial expressions and you know interesting circumstance. Um, to where, like, at one point in the movie, he builds a rocket and sets it off in the house, and it destroys the roof of the house. Oh, right. Another so, bit. So he's a Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, kind of. Uh, another bit is they keep uh, breaking down the garage door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they like it. Someone always hits it with the car. 
And that's just, it's just funny. It's just stupid funny. It's just a long running bit throughout the whole movie. So it's like, um, like Home Alone, the McAllister's uh, statue that people always yes, run into. Yes, it's exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another bit is like John Cusack is talking to someone in his car and then he sees this car with uh, two Asian men um, uh-huh. pull up. One of them is played by the future dad of Johnny Tsunami, by the way, um, no, if you've you, seen Johnny Tsunami. You know how long it's been since I've seen Johnny Tsunami? First off, the fact that it wasn't at least a year ago is very upsetting to me because you can just get it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, maybe it'll be on Disney+. Plus. Oh, maybe. That's something I'm not going to get. So anyway. It's only $7. Yeah, who cares? So, maybe. Um <laughs> So anyway, he'll he'll stop what he's doing and start putting on gloves and goggles because they're about to race, right? Uh-huh. And <laughs> one of them doesn't know English. One of them learned English from Howard Cosell. Oh, God. <laughs> and so he goes, truly a spectacle to behold. Once a great champion. Now, and, and I mean, and he's and there's a speaker on top of their car. And so he's narrating or he's commentating on the race. And again, he sounds like Howard Cosell. <laughs> It's so stupid. I love it. Um, Howard Cosell, of course, being a famous uh, sports commentator and uh-huh. would always get into um, arguments and um, sort of, you know, verbal matches with uh, Muhammad Ali. Okay. And Muhammad Ali, you know, he respected Howard Cosell, but, you know, he always gave him a hard time. Right. Uh, anyway. So... <laughs> um, one of my favorite bits is the paperboy. Uh, the paperboy is always trying to get his money, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone is terrified of the paperboy. It is so funny. So he will go and track you down, <laughs> right? And like he's got all of his paperboy buddies with him, and they just <laughs> they like run him over on their bikes, and they like threaten him, and it's it's too funny. So anyway, <clears throat> my one of my dad's favorite bits. My dad also loves this movie. I think he was the one who told me about this movie. Um, is uh, Lane works at a burger place. Okay. And he is daydreaming about the burger coming to life in its claymation, mm-hmm. right? And it starts singing Everybody Wants Some by Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like that scene in Good Burger where... You know, like the burgers are talking and... Oh, to Ed. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, but it's claymation, uh-huh. right? And, like, burgers are dancing and, you know, like, it's this big, big production. And <laughs> it's just too funny, man. And it kind of comes out of nowhere and it doesn't have anything to do with the plot. And it, it's just... It's it's dumb and I love it, right? Okay. Um, the The opening credits are animated. That's funny. Uh, which is fun. Um, let me see. What else do I have? <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it's it's all great. So, um, eventually, he falls in love with the uh, foreign exchange student. Okay. Uh, and speaking of Good Burger, the, uh, the manager uh, at Good Burger in the movie uh-huh. um, plays Lane's next door neighbor. 
I think it's a next door neighbor. Okay. Anyway, he's super weird. Uh, his mom is one of those super intense helicopter um, Eddie Kasprak moms. Uh, right? Nice it shout out right Thank there. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> very pushy. And they take in a foreign exchange student from France. Um, and obviously, this dude really likes this girl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Lane swoops in. And then they have sort of a sort of beef, right? Okay. Anyway, all of this happens at once, by the way. Um, Like, all of this stuff is happening at the same time, and it's just absurd. It's crazy. It's it's out of it. This movie's out of its mind. Okay. All right? I mean, mixed with its slapstick, mixed with its absurdist humor, like with the moving dinner or... You know, the the singing hamburger or, you know, him. I mean, him trying to kill himself is sort of absurdist as well because the way he tries and, you know, the the circumstances he finds himself in, um, it's it's so much fun. So, again, shout out to my dad. Shout out to Keegan. Shout out to Jay. Probably one of our favorite comedies of all time. I don't know if I sold it, but I love, (laughs) love Better Off Dead. Right. Okay, so before we end the episode, um, I just want to give an honorable mention because I'm very disappointed in myself that I didn't write this one down for my list. So this is an honorable mention for comedies of the 1980s because it came out in 1980, beginning of the 80s. That's the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. I love the Blues Brothers so much. I have the extended version on digital in it, and, and it's, it's so good. Like, John Belushi, or Jim, Jesus, I always get him and his brother confused. It's John. John. Uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd had such chemistry. It's very sad to see that John Belushi died. Yeah. Because, oh, man, if he if he was still alive, I think him and Dan Aykroyd could still be doing stuff together. Because their chemistry is so good. Yeah, probably. Um but I love that movie so much. It's also more fun Chicago accents. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah, another another Chicago yeah. 80s movie. Um but I just wanted to give that as an honorable mention because I love that movie. I'm yeah. not going to get into it. Everyone Yeah. Um so I'd just like to end on a note of, you know, the 1980s definitely had a very stylistic way of doing comedies. You know, I think we're very it was very you could tell you know, 1980s comedy from like a 1970s comedy, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like the eighties had th- the niche of comedy in a specific way. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me, from the comedies we've listed and the comedies I've seen that we haven't listed from the eighties. But, uh, I definitely think that the, the comedies from the eighties, if we didn't have those movies, we wouldn't have some of the movies that we have today. You know, like Ferris Bueller and the Goonies and, you know, any Mel Brooks comedy. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, well, we hope everyone uh, enjoyed. Uh, Next week, uh, what are we doing next week, Jeremy? Uh, Next week, we are doing blockbusters and big budget movies from the 80s. And that'll be that'll be good because uh, that's I, I feel like blockbusters is when the 80s really. Yeah, the, the modern day blockbuster was invented in 1975 by accident um, with uh, Jaws. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And yeah, and I think damn the, mechanical shark. I think the '80s kind of took that and ran with it—the idea of a blockbuster. And so uh-huh. I have a few examples here. I'll let's save let you that. know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'll, right. I'll, I'm gonna tell you the once we're off mic. I'll tell you the ones I'm absolutely not gonna let you talk about. <laughs> and um, I'll leave you with some that sure you can talk about those if you want. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wrote them down first. Anyway, all right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed. Um, Sorry that I called uh, some of you oafs and um, I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm not either. You should be. You should be watching uh, the Goonies and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But... Agreed. All right, everyone. Well, we'll see you next week. So, uh...